Mongo McMongo. Steven Mongo McMongo. I guess we should start. Yeah. Are you not recording this? I am. I am recording this. Uh, oh, good. I think so. Where did it go? Oh, yeah. We're recording. Okay. Steven Mongo McMichael. Okay. Ready to go? Dude, we just did the fucking intro. No, we didn't. That Okay. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> Welcome to Three Out of Three Falls, a wrestling podcast where we discuss three matches. One chosen by each of your two hosts and one chosen by a random match generator. My name's Joe. My name's Jason. And, man, we... Coming off this of a... our... Yeah, right? I'll cut some of this. Coming off of our uh, mini episode we posted a few weeks back from the archives about yes. um, Jim Belushi. Jim fucking Belushi. On WCW Saturday night talking about his pal Steve Stephen Mongo McMichael. We thought, well, let's do that podcast that we threatened in the mini episode <laughs> where we each pick Mongo matches. And we thought, you know what? It could, the RMG might give us a random match with Mongo in it too. How crazy would that be, right? We're gonna, we were gonna fucking, we're rolling the dice. Let's we're looking for snake eyes. Mongo. We were looking for snake eyes, but instead we got a middle finger. So we did not get a Mongo match from the RMG, and we'll talk no. about what we did get later on in, uh. in this uh, podcast. And dutifully, we watched the match as is you know the premise and the guiding principle and the the and essence of this podcast so and we're contractually bound to yes we are we are beholden to um the random match generator to watch the match that it provides for us in any case um i feel we like have... i feel like this is like a mongo like memorial episode even though he's not dead oh he's not dead that's good i was gonna say is mongo dead Mongo's um, not dead. He, as I as mentioned previously, I think he lives in Florida and he runs a restaurant. Like you know, Mongo's, they talk about like in this, Mongo's Steakhouse or something like that. I would go to Mongo's Steakhouse. They talk in one of the matches how he got out of football healthy. Um, I don't know if he got out of wrestling super healthy, but I think he flipped out and fucking just ran away. He was he hanging out quit? with with uh, yeah, he just fucking quit one day. He was hanging out with Scott Hall a lot. Oh no, yeah, he and didn't get were, out healthy. They were having a good, a good old fucking time. And then he was like, "No more, I gotta get yeah. away." Yeah, <laughs> Ric Flair says that Mongo. One time they were like checking into a hotel, and Mongo was like, "Hey, I'll see you guys at the bar." And Flair was like, "Yeah, we'll see you later tonight." And he's like, "I've never seen Mongo again." <laughs> no way, that's awesome. <laughs> I've never seen Mongo again. <laughs> oh man, I would. I kind of would love for Mongo to be a surprise Rumble entrant or something, Fuck. just to appear, you know? Because no one would know what what would people do. He's so he was like a celebrity. He's a football player. It's a quasi celebrity. He. He then he he has an actual career. Maybe it's only three years long or whatever, you know, or four years long. But he has Dude, an he, actual wrestling career. He holds a belt, right? He holds multiple belts. Multiple belts. He's in the Four Horsemen immediately, and then it's not the worst Four Horsemen grouping ever, right? <laughs> yeah, it's better. There's it's, a worse one. Actually, there is a worse one. I mean, the Four Horsemen at the time that we we're discussing was. Flair, Ander- Arn Anderson was still wrestling. Yeah. You had Chris Benoit. Yeah. And you had Steve Mongo McMichael. Yeah. And Mongo is like... He's the Lex Luger of that group. Yeah. Except... Not jacked and not like nice to look at. He's got that, that pockmarked kind of, kind of face, right? That rugged, That's... ragged guy face. But... It's a, rug- a rugged steroid but he kind of looks cool you know like i always i remember thinking mongo looked stupid was stupid i hated mongo growing up he I sucks i i still hate him but and i we love watched his my patented spoiler alert we watched <laughs> two very bad matches <laughs> and um what i came out of this whole experience liking mongo more than i did before 
he kind of looks cool. There's sort of a gravity to to his to his look and persona that I I I understand if, how someone was like, let's put him in the Horseman. If if you know by what I mean? gravity, yeah, I understand. He but can if be an by asshole gravity... and somehow get cheered when he needs to. You know, like I think that I I understand where you're coming from, but okay. I think by by gravity, if you mean what what goes up must come down, then yes, I think okay. that Mongo. Mongo is just Mongo's going to be Mongo. I have a lot of things to say about Mongo. I know you do too. Let's dive into match number one on this Steve Mongo, Steve Stephen Mongo McMichael Memorial. <laughs> Not dead. Living Memorial, memorial Tribute. Living <laughs> Living Memorial Tribute. <laughs> three out of three podcast. falls podcast extravaganza. Episode. It only has two of them with Mongo in it. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> okay, match number one. My pick this week, Steve McMichael versus Joe Gomez from WCW Bash at the Beach, 1996, July 7, 1996. You guys don't know my last name. It's not Gomez. I'm not a Gomez. I didn't pick this because that was me. Although, wouldn't that be a great reveal? If we're like, full disclosure, you the Joe fucking... who is a host of this podcast is Joe <laughs> Gomez. Oh, I'm 52 years God. old. I wrestled Steve McMichael <laughs> in his third ever match on pay-per-view at one of the most famous pay-per-views of all time. Yeah. And now I'm hosting this podcast with my buddy Jason. Yeah. That would be the coolest reveal ever, but it's not that true. Would, it's not the case. It would be cool. I'm well, a different Joe. Joe, Go- Joe Gomez... As the commentators say, a man who's got his work cut out for him. Yeah, they really shit on Joe Gomez. Well, okay, <laughs> they they sort of don't. Because the purpose of this match is, this is Steve McMichael's second pay-per-view match, third match ever. Yeah. He's going up against just kind of like a young jobber guy, right? He's been he's, in he's like a He's not like, he's a, like a, a one-and-done jobber. He's a, no, he's a payroll he, jobber. He's a member of the WCW power plant. Yeah. He's more likely either like someone who is on WCW Saturday night or yes. might actually be a trainer. Yeah, I can see that. And, you know, Joe Gomez is um, he comes out. He's got this like Native American thing going on, uh, like, a, you know, New Mexico, Nevada jingle to his music, you know, that kind of uh that kind of like, you know. <laughs> yeah, he lo- does. It's kind of like a Lorenzo Lamasy, you know, like a thing going like, for him. Like a renegade, but not the renegade. But not the wrestler, the renegade. More renegade than the renegade, maybe. Um, sure. So he comes out, and uh, he's got some charisma. He looks kind of cool. I think it's cool. Um, I am immediately confused. So throughout the match, they <laughs> they try to... Whenever Joe Gomez does a move, Tony Schiavone explodes. He cannot believe. It's not that he can't believe. He's just, like, so amazed, and he's, like, rooting for Gomez to win, kind of. Dusty a little bit, too. We got Dusty Rhodes on commentary also. Oh, man, we have the extraordinary Dusty Rhodes. We have the three-man commentary lineup of Tony Schiavone, Dusty Rhodes, and Bobby the Brain Heenan. That's great. Um, Whenever Mongo comes out, he's with Deborah. Yeah, Deborah McMichaels, his his actual wife at the time. His actual wife at the time. Who goes on to marry other wrestlers? Mary Stone Stone Cold. Yeah, but does she just valet for Jeff Jarrett? Yes, yes, just valet for Jeff Jarrett. Um, It's a pre-breast augmentation Deborah. I didn't notice. I did. I noticed because (laughs) of the... She's carrying that dog. She's carrying uh, a poodle. Mm-hmm. Uh, which Shivani says, can you believe it? Once they got some money, they put little Pepe on the shelf. Yeah. Which Pepe was the little fucking dog yeah. that they had. The they traded light up. With they a fucking a more rich person jerky dog. They did. <laughs> they got a poodle. <laughs> they did. But I'd, I enjoyed, I forgot about the heel dynamic of Mongo and Deborah. About how they were just like, look yeah. at all these riches that we have now that we're a part of the Four Horsemen. Oh, yeah, yeah. They were funny. I mean, Mongo is... so, And Mongo's a bad guy here. And they talk about, 
over and over. Major, major heel. How he's a he's a big old jerk, and how he sold out. He sold out his friend and teammate, and uh, now Bobby the Brain Heenan, who hated him. Oh, one of my favorite parts of the match is when they call out the brain for hating Mongo until he turned heel. And Tony's like, we've got it on tape, you know, and Dusty's cracking up and Heenan's like, what they did is they edited the, they edited the dub on it. Like he's making excuses for like his previous slander of Mongo while he was in the commentary booth. And he's like, no, that wasn't really me. But anyhow, Oh, go for it. I think that the the jewel in this match, there, there are two jewels that I see. One is the commentary. I was cracking up well, at the commentary. Before we get to the match itself, I want to say sure. two more things. First of all, when, to- when Joe Gomez comes out, Tony says, if you know Joe Gomez like I do, and then something else after that, <laughs> implying that Tony Schiavone really <laughs> knows Joe Gomez. But also, Dude, had... what are the chances that a fan knows Joe Gomez like Tony Schiavone does? Even if Tony <laughs> Schiavone barely knows Joe Gomez, he knows him more than the casual fan. And then he hey. puts over Gomez's chances in the match by saying that while Mongo is a football player, Gomez was quite a football fan and a fan of the Bears and of Mongo himself. And he was very upset when Mongo turned heel. So this is personal for Joe Gomez? <laughs> Well, I mean, they discussed it over, you know, a, a, a soup and sandwich lunch earlier that day yeah. because they're, you know, they're buds. Tony Schiavone. They look Joe kind Gomez of. Joe Gomez is fucking, yeah. like, best friend. And Gomez and, and, and Gomez and Mongo, and they also, so Gomez and Mongo look kind of alike from a distance. Look very much alike. It makes this match hard. It's like they could they should have chosen any other power plant <laughs> jobber. Someone with, like, blue tights. A guy you can visibly tell is not Mongo during every move. Anyway, the other thing I wanted to say was the crab cam at Batch of the Beach 1996 when a guy comes out. They have a camera, but it's like point of view from a crab. So there's fake oh, crab yeah. arms, and it like moves around and, and yeah. shows the guy between the, the claws. It was yeah. amazing. I forgot about that. That's a really great – got to find like a gif of that, put it on our, <laughs> our, our blog – TOTF.tumblr.com, which you should go and visit. <laughs> we forgot. We forgot to do that earlier. We did. We fucking forgot to mention it. TOTF.tumblr.com. Go there. You're going to see these. At some uh, point around Mongo, when this comes Mongo out, jewels. we will be finding the gif of that if it exists, and we'll be putting it up there. It might even just be – that might be the, uh, the, the screenshot I choose, the crab cam. It's pretty great. Anyway, you loved – the commentary commentary was hilarious uh you had oh fucking texicans uh dusty calls mongo a fellow texican and says that mongo has a meanness that is oh yes and a man every 10 or 20 years mongo has power (laughs) speed and most of all tony he possesses a meanness only seen every 10 or 20 years in a man But fucking Dusty. Every decade or two, one man is born. Who's as mean. With a a particular meanness. And that man, around whenever Mongo was born, (laughs) was Mongo. (laughs) That was one of my favorite moments in the commentary. That was delightful. Oh, man. Mongo, they go, oh, Mongo, uh, lip busted. He bit his lip on that move. And then Dusty goes, "Welcome to where the big boys play." <laughs> <laughs> well, fuck that was. And, so, that and was Heenan def- goes, "No was- helmet, no face guard." He fucking bit his lip. <laughs> he didn't get a well, concussion. Well, welcome to where the big boys play. Was their slogan? De- their WCW slogan. I know, but oh, so Dusty just saw fucking. That's like, like oh no, alert. Mongo stubbed his toe. Welcome where the big boys play. You know, like <laughs> no, it's not. Anyway, the thing that was kind of amazing to me in this match beyond the commentary, because the commentary was fucking amazing, was what does Dusty say in commentary when and the commentary team just starts cracking up? They (laughs) ignore. Yeah. The the mule kick to the groin mule kick to the groin. That's what I thought. So Mongo needs a low blow to beat Gomez, apparently. 
and commentary ignores it for like 30 seconds and then dusty <laughs> mule kick to the groin <laughs> it's 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 pretty great it's fucking you should fucking spice it in yeah i'll, I'll, I'll go find that you should play it now gomez right in the small of the back yeah after he mule kicked him in the groin <laughs> that's what he did that thank you dream that's what he did I'm not going to edit that a little bit. Um, so, oh, sorry, you were going to say something before I interrupted I was, you. I was going to say that Mongo's arsenal of moves hasn't really changed from this Joe Gomez match into the second match that we're going to watch of Mongo's. I am confused by his weird wrist forearm smash. See, uh, like the way that he does a punch or like a, you know, some, a striking move is a wrist, more wrist than forearm. I think he means it to be a forearm like smash. Yeah. But it ends up looking like a wrist. Like he's just hitting him with his wrist. I thought he was just smashing the dude up, man. I, I, I disagree with you because I think Mongo in this match is pretty good for a guy who's had two previous matches and in the next match he does even fewer moves um <laughs> in this match the commentary is putting over how they keep talking about how mongo is using his hands to put push gomez around and manipulate him and it's a football influence you know like blocking well, guys did... and move maneuvering yeah. a person and shoving them and he actually does it looks cool like if anyone else was doing it, I would be like, what are they doing, you know? But he really is, like, just smashing the guy, but with his hands. I'm doing a lot of hand motions that the listener can't see. <laughs> I'm, like I'm lost or something. Yeah, he's, like, shoving him. And uh, it actually, I bought it. I was like, wow, I guess that's kind of neat. But the offense that I didn't like was, oh, also Mongo does a kind of a cool neck breaker. Um Gomez's offense. I really wanted to like Joe Gomez because I did not like Mongo <laughs> at all going into this. Uh, yeah. I thought he was terrible. And I always am on the side of a WCW jobber because 90% like, of the like time, no matter, like who? No matter, like no matter what, you're always on the side of them. Yeah. Because I grew up watching WC, like the time when I watched WCW, it seemed like, yeah, they had a roster of a thousand people. Sure. But, the ones winning most of the matches were not the people I liked. You know, I got I got really bored of NWO immediately, you know. Or not immediately, yeah. but pretty quick. And then, you know, all the guys at the top of the card, I, I didn't care about seeing win. Even some of the shitty jobbers. Like, I had jobbers that I liked a lot. Then there were, like, old veterans who they didn't push, like the Marty Gennettis of the world. Yeah. But I would rather see fucking Glacier win than Lex Luger, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, in 1998 absolutely so like joe gomez versus mongo i'm like let's see what gomez has he does these terrible tomahawk chops yeah he does a real shitty uh fucking crossbody that busts open mongo's lip oh, yeah. he does shitty drop kicks his drop kicks were really bad did you see yeah. those and tony Giovanni's getting I, yeah. all worked up because joe gomez is his pal in the back you know he's they his know lunch each other yeah he's his lunch buddy and then they fuck up a pin combination. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're Towards just like, the just match. redo it. <laughs> it's so terrible. Yeah, it's like they're trying to do like a sunset flip and a yeah. bridge. But instead of rolling with situation, it, they just yeah. like are they're, they're just, just sitting there for like five seconds. And they're just like, well, just you lean back and we'll start over. Yeah, <laughs> it's so bad. But then it was uh, not great. we get a. Mongo tombstone pile drives Joe Gomez and beats him, Dude, which is kind of cool. That's what I was gonna. F th okay, similar to how in the last episode you were like big splash, what the fuck? Yeah, I was like tombstone pile driver. <laughs> really, Mongo? A fucking tombstone pile driver? Like you? Fuck. Did he ever do that move ever again? Was that his finisher? Fuck, it might have been his finisher. I don't, I don't remember know. that being his finisher. I thought I could have swore it was some sort of three-point stance. Yeah. Something. Something but dumb. 
fuck if I know. It could have been the. It could have been he was the WCW equivalent of the Undertaker. For move set. That is insane. But just in regards to the Tombstone Pile Driver, he does a Tombstone Pile Driver out of nowhere. Now keep in mind, we're only a few years removed from like Sting doing the Tombstone Pile Driver. In that, oh, you shit. know, like yeah, yeah. WCW yeah, yeah. guys were just like, who gives anyone can use this finisher because we don't have an Undertaker. Yeah. So I feel like I mean I can't remember a bunch of occasions when that occurred, but I'm just saying I think. WCW was a little loose with their tombstones. Well, it would also be fucked up if Mongo ends up being the dude from WCW side who is like the owner of the tombstone pile driver. And it, it, the most fucked up part about that is that neither of us remember it. And it's <laughs> the WWF side, everyone remembers the owner of the tombstone pile driver. The WCW <laughs> side, we can't remember who did it or when. Um, it was a big surprise in this match, and I kind of liked it. Um, and I, I kind of liked that tombstone look, because I was bad. just like, it didn't look bad. It looked good, and I was just like, "Fuck you, Joe Gomez, you let me down." <laughs> I'm glad you got tombstone pile dri- driven. Um, Mago was cooler in this match. I, I didn't hate this match. You didn't? I don't think it's very good. But Mongo was cooler in this great. match. He surprised me. For his third match, I was expecting it to be a big pile of crap. And the commentary was really fun. Oh, and Heenan shouting random sh- uh, random football stuff. <laughs> 79, hike! Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then they're calling him Coach Heenan. And he's like, I'm not, nope, nope, I'm a broadcast journalist. <laughs> Like it was, there's a lot of fun stuff going on in this garbage match. Oh yeah, um, oh yeah. And uh, you know what, Joe Gomez can just go back to the power plant because Mongo, Mongo won, and Mongo's uh, Mongo deserved it, I think. Mongo, soon to be United States heavyweight champion. That's maybe a little rushed. <laughs> hey, you know, so they cut from this match to Mean Gene talking to Ric Flair, Miss Elizabeth, and Woman. And woman oh, is like yeah? distracting Mean Gene by flirting with him. It's pretty. Funny. Oh, really? It's pretty, pretty yeah. funny. Okay, that's worth watching. Um, anything else to say about this match? <sighs> Mule kick to the groin. You liked it. You know, I'm gonna say I liked it. I didn't. You know what? I, I liked it I'm enough. Gonna, I liked it enough. I liked that's it better than at least liked three matches enough. that I've said I liked on this podcast <laughs> in previous. <laughs> so I, I... it goes in the like column, I guess. The commentary basically tipped it over the edge because mm-hmm. I think that Heenan and Dusty together is like fucking gold. And Mongo did actually do a decent job for it being his third match. I will give it to him. The Tombstone Driver, can, uh, Tombstone Pile Driver confused the fuck out of me yeah. uh, just because it came out of nowhere and I was like, seriously, Mongo, you're doing the fucking Tombstone. But that's fine. It's worth it for the commentary and to see the the uh, young glimpses into the extraordinary career of uh, Stephen Mongo McMichael. Yeah, and maybe maybe you'll like Joe Gomez. I don't think anyone's gonna like Joe Gomez. <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe Joe Gomez is uh, gonna be uh, one of your favorite wrestlers from now on. Maybe maybe that's. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, match number two. <laughs> match number two. Match number two is my pick. It's Stevie Ray versus Stephen Mongo McMichael from WCW Monday Nitro. Number 145. <laughs> this is so right, dumb. This whole podcast is so dumb. What, what are we doing? <laughs> All right. Oh, God, we watched two Mongo matches. What the fuck? All right, match number two. My pick, Stevie. <laughs> this is all staying in. All right, my pick, Stevie Ray versus Steve McMichael, WCW Monday Nitro, 145, June 22nd, 1998. So, Oh, wait, back... hold on. We didn't talk oh, about the biggest thing about the previous match. What? 
The biggest thing about the previous match is it's in the middle of a pay-per-view. It's Joe Gomez versus Steve McMichael. Oh, in one of the biggest pay-per-views in WCW. <laughs> it's the pay-per-view where Hulk Hogan turns heel. <laughs> it's the biggest moment. The, it's sec- the origin of the NWO. I it's feel the like fucking genesis of the NWO. The top, the two biggest moments in American professional wrestling are Hogan slamming Andre and Hogan turning heel. Yeah. There's... You can argue about what's number three, four, five, whatever. There's other big ones. But those are the two biggest, most famous, most groundbreaking moments in wrestling history, pretty much. One of them, Hogan turning heel, is at this pay-per-view. And everyone remembers this pay-per-view. Not a person remembers Joe Gomez versus Steve (laughs) McMichael. What was it even doing on the card? WCW is so weird. They would have all these, they had like a thousand people on their roster. Then they would have a Nitro that's three hours long, and they would have like half the matches with local talent. And you're like, what about your roster? Yeah. Then they would trot out guys like Joe Gomez for a random match in the middle of a pay-per-view that's going to be the like a groundbreaking moment in wrestling history. It's so bizarre. Anyway... If you if you want to see an even more confusing card, like the Bash of the Beach '96 card is fucking confusing as hell. Mm-hmm. Like like look at that shit. Equally as confusing. Rick Flair fights star- Conan. Yeah, Conan is wearing a really goofy outfit too. His like pre lowrider guy outfit. He's got yeah, like tassels on him and shit. Yeah, yeah. It's back whenever he was like it was back whenever he was in AAA. He's doing that whole. That whole vibe. It's, it's, oh man. Anyway, continue. Um, the Starcade 97 card is equally as baffling. Who, what's the, what's the top match on that one? Sting versus Hogan? <laughs> Humongous. Whenever fucking. All like, of NWO just, built to that moment. Yes, all of it. So you're looking at the A year and a half basically. built to that moment. Yeah. And they still have jabroni matches on it? Oh, dude, there's some fucking stupid shit on that fucking pay-per-view. It's fucked up. That is hilarious. I don't... It's a weird booking style. I don't get it. Anyway, I just thought that was, like, a huge thing to mention about this... Not random. This, like, really dark horse... Not even a dark horse. It's not good. Bizarre pick of Michael... McMichael versus Gomez. It's not even a dark horse. It's just a fucking horse. Yeah, it's just a horse we a found a horse in the middle of a pay-per-view. <laughs> but it turns out that pay-per-view is this groundbreaking moment in wrestling history. I just yeah. thought it was so like who Joe Gomez was on that was on that pay-per-view. Joe Gomez <laughs> is in the annals yeah, of was. history he as is. a performer on the biggest the second most important pay-per-view event in the history of American professional wrestling. Joe Gomez it, in WCW, in WCW's history, I think in all all wrestling, I think you got you think you Russell, think back you to Russell the nineteen ninety seven. Wait a minute, hold on. Your <laughs> argument is that you have WrestleMania three, and then you get Bash of the Beach ninety six, and fuck everything else. No, I think those are the two biggest moments. It's Hogan slamming Andre. No, I know you and then said Hogan that. Hogan turning it's like heel five minutes ago. I know. Those are the pay-per-views that those are on. <laughs> what I thought. Uh, Should we go back match to two. match number two? Match yeah. number two. All right, let's this try and This is our second Stevie again. Ray match. It is, but it's fucking brilliant. All right, so match number two is Stevie Ray versus Steve Mongo McMichael. Steven Mongo McMichael from WCW Monday Nitro 145, June 22nd, 1998. So, backstory on this is that whenever Joe and I were talking about doing this Mongo episode, I decided to Google best Mongo match, and this was the fucking result. This comes up as best Steve McMichael match. Stevie Ray versus Steve Mongo McMichael. I think it's just... Nitro. I think it only comes up as that because... It has the most views of any Mongo match on YouTube or something, and just totally randomly. It, because it's um, it's for I have I actually have a good thing to say on this. 
Yeah. Uh, I have a lot of things match. to say about this match as well. It's pretty bizarre. There's some big dudes. Um, this is our second Stevie Ray match. This is pre-NWO Stevie Ray. He's Harlem Heat is gone. They, they're, him and Booker T are like still brothers, still wrestling in Harlem Heat gear, but they've gone into singles com- competition. They tag team occasionally when needed. When it's like necessary for them to have each other's back, they will have a tag team match. But Booker T has moved on to – he had a great best of seven series with Chris Benoit over the oh, WC yeah. television title. Uh, and Stevie Ray has been holding up his end in singles competition. I really appreciated – when in watching this match, it made me reappreciate a homegrown talent like Harlem Heat for WCW at this time. Yeah, because they were fucking over. They were way over. Even though Stevie Ray at the time was portrayed as being the lesser Heat uh, in yeah. Harlem Heat, he's everyone's doing the fucking raise the roof that Harlem Heat did, and everyone's like. He gets a good pop whenever he comes out. I liked it because at the time, I mean, everything, WCW was saturated. Even at this point with like fucking way too much old WWF talent. Yeah. So for someone like a Harlem Heat to still get a member of Harlem Heat who had been around since fucking 1993 in WCW to get a good pop from a crowd, um, a post NWO like boom period yeah. crap. Like really that meant a lot to me as a WCW fan. He's also already apparently in the midst of kind of like a borderline heel turn at this point. And he's still There's... getting that Harlem heat pop. It helps yeah. that Harlem heat has badass music. Fuck yeah, they do they have a great, really theme. good. Also, um, it helps that Stevie Ray is fucking jacked. He's, he's huge. Humongous. He's huge. Also, uh, one thing that... where the big that, boys play. It is where the big boys <laughs> play. But one thing that I was I wrote down, always... these are some big dudes. Oh, yeah, there's they, some fucking... This is, big a hoss, dudes. this is a hoss. This is a hoss. This is a hoss battle. You thought Joe Gomez um, was a big dude. <laughs> Sorry, continue. <laughs> I was always confused by Stevie Ray's big fucking scar. Oh, yeah. Fucking back. Like, I guarantee he got that in a fight. Knife fight scar, buddy. Yeah. I think he's talked about that. Really? I think interviews where he talks about, yeah. Shit. I don't remember. I'm pretty sure. Either that or my brother made up a story about it. (laughs) Um, So Stevie Ray comes out first, and then fucking Mongo comes out. And immediately, straight out of the gate, the camera is in his face, and he's talking shit. Like, he says something about how there's not going to be a Benoit in the back, and how you got to look a man in the face. Yeah. So, the story of this match... So, commentary is bizarre in this match, until you get to the end. I'm not going to skip ahead. I just want to say... So, commentary spends the first half of the match, or the first third, talking about Kevin Green's return. He's fighting the giant, the big show, later on in WWE, Paul White. He's fighting the giant in the main event, right? Yeah. The only connection is that Kevin Green and Mongo are pals, right? Former that's, teammates, that's, and they wrestled together. But well, that's who that's who Mongo turned on to join the end of, to join the Four Horsemen. But in Kevin Green's return, Mongo isn't really part of that storyline. So they're talking about Kevin Green no. and the Giant fighting, and it's totally the only connection is that Mongo and Kevin Green started off in WCW together, but Mongo yes. is now removed from the Kevin Green story. So it's pretty weird. While that's going on, you don't know who the good guy or bad guy in this match is because they've given you no context. Then they start getting <laughs> into the context of the match after a commercial break, which gets led into with extremely loud commercial outro music. And it's totally bizarre. <laughs> I forgot about that. True. The commentary just starts true. recapping storylines from the last few weeks, which is great for us hosting this podcast because we are <laughs> not going to go watch three weeks of Nitro leading up to the match we're going to watch. Oh, no, but, no, no. Um, it's also good, I guess, because it's better than them talking about this incredibly boring wrestling match, a match of predominantly 
pretty much all rest holds. Stevie Ray does a couple ninja kicks that are cool. Just oh, mauling yeah, and chokehold. At one point, I'm pretty sure Stevie Ray puts himself in a chokehold. Like he thinks he's gonna do a, like a move. <laughs> yeah, he does. He, he grabs Mago's arm, throws he it grabs... around him. And I thought he was gonna like oh. wrench on the arm and and like do an arm like a shoulder wrench. But then, oh, instead he just drapes the arm across the neck. <laughs> and then Mago's and like, playing. okay, I'll get like, you in a chokehold. It oh, was man, bizarre. Dude. Oh, dude, this is like, it starts out as a fucking punch kick affair, and then there's a rake to the eyes, and then it just gets worse from there. There's, it's fucked up. There's a it good does, steel the, the steps fucking... spot. Oh, dude, no, until the step, the step spot was amazing, but I just want to good say spot. that the actual ring prowess displayed in this match garbage is like a fucking negative 10 compared to the Steve McMichael and Joe Gomez match. Yeah, it is. it is extremely bad. And then, um, while that's happening, you have um, commentary just going over the story, which is something about, like, Booker T and Stevie Ray are doing singles competition, and Stevie Ray wants to get Harlem Heat back together, and then Booker T and Chris Benoit fight set best of seven, but then they kind of begrudgingly become friends through it, and then Booker oh, T... Oh, yeah, like, like Benoit offered to be, Stevie, uh, to be yeah. Booker T's, like, tag team partner. Yeah, and Stevie Ray's like, fuck that. I'm your tag team partner. So Stevie Ray yeah. jumps Benoit in the back, and then Mongo and Benoit are friends because they're in the Four Horsemen. So that's why this match is happening, I guess. So this match ends up being Stevie Ray grabs a chair, the wrong type of chair. Benoit who grabs one, in, of the, who grabs one of the padded chairs, like, like an actual fucking like Dave real... Pinzer, I have to sit down for fucking three hours because yeah. it's Nitro, padded chair. Yeah, a real chair that would hurt up. if you he hit He picks up a real chair. And yeah. um, Benoit runs out, grabs the chair, looks jacked, looks like he's ready to fight. Booker T comes out, grabs the chair from Benoit to stop that from happening. Booker, but fucking Benoit is wearing wrestling gear. Booker T slacks well, and a tie. The reason for that is Benoit is fighting Bret Hart in the next match. Yes. Booker T is probably done for the night. And uh, Booker T comes out, grabs the, the chair... Then Stevie Ray's like, well, why didn't you hit Benoit? And yeah, Stevie, T's like, Stevie well, Ray he didn't hit you. At... And why were you going to hit Mongo? You don't need a chair to win this match. And then Stevie Ray's like, you got my back. You should have hit that dummy, you know? And then they walk out of the ring, and it just gets called a no contest. Or Mo M Mongo wins. Mongo, get this. Mongo fucking wins by countout is what Tony Schiavone says. Wow. How the fuck did that happen? There's... There was interference. There was... Yeah. Uh, Okay, there were there were a chair at least and two three, other dudes. There were three opportunities for a disqualification, and yeah. instead it's a countout because Stevie Ray leaves with Booker T, who interfered in the match, so and gets counted out. This this shitty nothing wrestling was really just they're only the reason they aren't wrestling in the match. The reason the actual wrestling in the match is so bad. Is because the reason they're out there is just to give commentary time to recap leading up to this moment. Nowadays, what this segment would have been is a potentially very boring back and forth like promo off in the ring or a backstage yeah. segment. I kind yeah. of appreciate that they use that they mix up their story segments and they go, oh, well, let's have them be in a match and we'll talk over it and then the thing will happen in the match. But it's well, still not entertaining. Like, I appreciate <laughs> that it's different than what I'm used to now, which is two guys come out and they go, well, and then one guy points at the clip. Remember when this happens? And he points up to the Titan Tron and they sure, show the sure, clip sure. and then he goes, you know, and they yell at each other. Who gives a crap about that? But um, it's so bizarre. And this is probably the worst Mongo match. It comes up <laughs> when you Google best. Yeah. Yeah. Google fucking lied to us. It's weird. So this isn't even a real match. To me, this is a story segment. This is like a... And not that matches can't also be story segments. The best ones are. But to me, this isn't... The match isn't even a match. There's nothing to it. A guy puts himself in a chokehold. That's how little they know about this. <laughs> They probably thought well, that they were just going to be in a backstage segment. They're like, nope, you're going out. Well, here, they're, given all the shitty like moves that are displayed in this match, there were three moments about like 30 seconds apart from each other. 
or over the course of 30 seconds, I saw something that gave me a glimpse into the genius, the continued genius that is Stevie Ray. Oh, yeah. Which was, uh, so this match gets a fucking commercial break. And yes. they come back from the commercial break, and Stevie Ray gives maybe the worst leg drop I've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life. Where he takes a back bump and then just kind of like makes his leg go splat across Mongo. So that happens, and then he gets up. I realize that little Nate is the ref. Yep, little Nate is the ref. Match. And then Stevie Ray takes us to the gun show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he poses for the crowd yeah. from his shitty back bump leg drop. Those are the three moments that I really enjoyed <laughs> in this match. He doesn't know. This, I, this match just reeks of them not knowing they're having a match or not caring there. Cause why care about this match when the purpose is so poor live crowd, right? The purpose of this match is so the commentators can spend two minutes plugging Kevin green and then four minutes building the Benoit Booker T Stevie Ray story. Sure. That's all the purpose of this. The purpose of this match is not for Stevie Ray and Steve McMichael to see who wins. So it makes yeah, sense that yeah. no one wins, but no one wins. Not even the not even the viewer, and definitely not the live crowd. It's brutal. Unless you're, you know, this would have been a good match to watch Raw during and then flip back if you're like a Benoit fan and you're like, oh cool, Benoit's out. What's he gonna do with Booker T? You know, because at this point, but at this point with fucking uh, well, WWF, before... this is this is the same. This is. This is the same month that fucking King of the Ring happened where Mankind got thrown off the fucking Hell in Cell. There's, like, that's the, the, the contrast. Yeah. And the huge gap between what WCW was doing and what fucking WWF was doing at the time. I guess I forget. In my, in my memory of WCW at the time, I always think, you know, I think back and I'm like, oh, they had no stories. They just had random matches, right? And so when we watch a match, whether it be one I like, like Raven and Riggs, you know, or we watch a match yeah. like this, and it's story. There's a story that they worked hard to book this segment. They didn't work hard to produce the actual match, but someone had an idea. Like, how can we further the Booker T and Stevie Ray thing and the Benoit thing and give Mongo something to do? And instead of just having a schmoz two-minute backstage thing or people yelling at each other in the ring, they did it in a different way. And maybe this is the way they did it nine out of ten times on Nitro, and I just forget. But I feel like they someone tried. They weren't just like, Mongo, Stevie Ray, go out there, do whatever the fuck, and pin. Someone pin somebody. Well, do you know who was... Well, the it's important to know that, that at this time, the two people who were booking WCW were Kevin Sullivan... And Dusty Rhodes. So that's why there is action, but also development of storyline throughout. Okay. You know, it's not... Also, WCW was never one, at least at this point, of being like, oh, we're going to go to a backstage segment. That shit didn't yeah. happen until fucking Vince Russo came along. Yeah, but they still do... Well, no, Russo wasn't there when Stevie Ray was in the NWO. And they, you know... We saw all those backstage segments leading up to, you know, Stevie Ray and the well, NBO. They fight. were trying to they were trying to ape what yeah. WWF was doing. Or when they so throw like, uh they throw Ray Mysterio into the truck. That was all Kevin Sullivan. Yeah, but that's a backstage kinda. It's outside. Yeah, but it's different from a backstage segment where it's like someone's in front hey, of a mic, yeah. Yeah, someone's in front of a mic or like craning the, or like craning their neck to fucking stare at a TV. And react to it, and like, you know, yeah, I guess do their I, do their you know rub their hands together or whatever. I just, I guess I just appreciate this match sucked. Why am I even talking about what I appreciate in it? <laughs> this match sucks. It did. It's a it shitty sucked. match. This sucked. is the worst. Is Mongo this? Ma is this? Is this the second match that you're going to say sucks on this podcast? I've said at least four matches of stuff. I've said at least three matches of stuff. No, no, but but for you to say I was not a fan of it because that has only happened once with no, the Blade match. I did it two times on that one. 
I did it with the other Stevie Ray match. I really like Stevie Ray. Oh, shit. What the this match sucks. Oh, yeah. This match makes me like Joe Gomez a lot more. Um, I don't mind Mongo. He sucks in this, but he really, what's the point of him being there? He's nameless Benoit friend, you know? Benoit friend number two. It doesn't matter who he is. The only reason he's there is because he played football with the other the guy in the main event, and he's friends with Benoit, and they're like, great, two-for-one promo. Let's do it, <laughs> you know? He does jack shit in this match. I like that he comes out talking trash and has is at least a little animated, you know? Yeah. Anyway. Oh, boy. Match three? Begrudgingly, match three. Match number three. The random match generators pick this week. Gold Dust. Yes, you guessed Wouldn't... it. Gold oh, Dust. Oh, my God. Versus the Ultimate Warrior. King of the Ring tournament qualifiers. Uh-huh. Raw 161, May 27th, 1996. You know, I didn't crack up laughing at how stupid this is when I read that out loud. And this is stupider uh, I... than us watching two Mongo matches. I think that this is the fourth time that we've watched this. I swear it's only the third time we've watched this. I think it's the for fourth the, fucking for the time. Show. You know, I, I first, wrote a note that said... Fourth time. I feel like I've watched this simultaneously while I was watching this. I felt like I had only seen it once before and that like I had seen it 20 times. Oh, my God. There's something weird about it. I think this is it. the fourth time. I think it's because this time I watched it with the, like... It was daytime, and there was sunlight coming in, and I was like, what is this match? Um, <laughs> oh, shit. I find right, it hard so, to remember what we've said about this match. Well, the first time that we talked about it, we talked about how Goldust was potentially the greatest of all time. The second time we talked, who knows? Um, okay, listeners, if you haven't listened to this podcast before, our random match generator gives us random matches. It's given us this match now either three or four times this is only our 14th episode you think we would fucking be able to tell that but you know it's gold <laughs> dust versus the ultimate warrior and i guess i guess it might be it might be helpful to talk about the ultimate warrior is a very famous wrestler he's a super jack dude with face paint um and arm tassels and he would run around like a maniac and say crazy shit and children loved him and he was the second biggest wrestling star Next to Hulk Hogan, for his period he, of time, he famously beat Hulk Hogan for the WWF Championship in the main event of WrestleMania Six in 1990, yeah. uh, in a sellout crowd at the Toronto Sky Dome. It was the first time that the WWF had done a face versus face, it's good guy, good versus, guy good versus good guy versus good guy match, and fucking Warrior went on top, and it was a passing of the torch, and Eventually, Warrior lost the belt to Sergeant Slaughter uh, because we were in the middle of the Persian Gulf mm-hmm. conflict. And Warrior was put in a program with, at first, Macho Man Randy Savage with an amazing WrestleMania Seven retirement match. Uh, and then into a program against Undertaker where they had a series of casket matches. Oh, no, uh, body bag matches. They had body bag matches. Um, and then Warrior held up Vince McMahon for money at SummerSlam 91, and he went away for a year until he returned at WrestleMania 8, looking way less jacked because he was off the roids uh, because that was the beginning of the uh, WWF steroid, steroid scandal. Uh, and then he only hung around for a couple of months. He was gone by Survivor Series. And then, then he came back in 1996. To promote a comic book and kind of kickstart his wrestling career. He's in WWE for a little while, and then he goes to WCW, actually. And yeah, fights Hogan after, again. Like, like One of the worst matches later. ever. Maybe the worst match ever. Worse than the Stevie Ray and Steve Mongo McMichael match. Good lord. Um, but he, he does appear in a backstage segment in a mirror, taunting Hogan. It's one of my brother's favorite wrestling uh, oh, yeah. moments and ever. Hogan, Hogan is the only one who can see Warrior yeah. in this fucking mirror. mirror. 
That's really and bad. and Eric Eric Bischoff has to pretend that he can't see Warrior in this fucking yeah. mirror. And it's not really it's a mirror, it's a glass. He um, starts the uh, One Warrior Nation, the OWN, and yeah. he kidnaps the Renegade. Yeah, and turns Brutus Beefcake makes him on his team, right? Yeah. So and then and then he disappears because he wanted like a two million dollar yeah. like contract for like three months so he's a crazy person uh so this is 96 warrior is back in wwe he's pretty jacked again he's promoting a comic book we talked about that before um gold dust well, at this time, is at this well oh well hold on but at this time warrior is i mean he's just returned like literally he just finished wrestling triple h in his return match back that was at the beginning of April. I think maybe he's had like one other match, maybe, but uh, he's appeared on Raw a number of times to promote the comic book and also to let every to try to raise the ratings of Raw, basically. Yeah. And uh, okay, yeah, and then Gold Dust is, um, you know, one. Uh... Goldust is Dusty Rhodes' son, who's um, we've talked about a bunch of times on this podcast. He's come up. Um, he wrestled in WCW as Dustin Rhodes, Dustin Runnels, both. The the natural Dustin Rhodes. Oh, did you see the sign, by the way? A fan in the front row has a sign that says, Goldust the Unnatural. <laughs> what an awesome fan. This is like five oh, yeah. years later, right? This is like some meta shit. That guy is a supermark. I love, and he's a kid. I'm pretty sure it was yeah. a kid. Was a I really, I really enjoyed Dustin Rhodes whenever he was in WCW. I thought that uh, we've watched the stunning Steve Austin and Dustin Rhodes match from Halloween Havoc 1991 yeah. that I love. Also, he had a great tag team uh, with him and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Also, he had a great tag team with Barry Windham. And then he eventually he moved into singles competition, had a great series of matches with Rick Rude over the United States Heavyweight Championship, and then a further program with Steve Austin for the U.S. Championship. Eventually, him and Arn Anderson got into a feud, uh, which led to him getting into a further feud with a stable called, like, the, like that was basically Colonel, Colonel Robert Parker's stable of... Arn Anderson, Terry Funk, Bunkhouse Buck, and his dude named Blacktop Bully, who is Smash from Demolition, yeah. Barry Darso. They have a, an an unsanctioned match at WCW We've Uncensored. We talked about this on here. I think they blade and they weren't supposed. They to. blade and they weren't supposed to. So he leaves WCW, gets fired, and comes into WWF as fucking Goldust immediately. Immediately straight in as like Goldust. Like he had the character ready. There were vignettes. It did was he fucking create on. Gold Dust or did Vince? He did. Gold Dust is such a great character. So, just the intro for people who haven't heard us talk about this match before. Um, <laughs> Gold Dust is a movie fanatic, like an old film fanatic slash yes. um, homoerotic uh, <laughs> man. <laughs> who's just open and free with sexuality and he uses that to fuck with his opponents. He has, yeah. a, he's out there with his valet slash wife, um, a beautiful little woman named Marlena who smokes a cigar, also wears all gold, sits in a director's chair. Goldust is, has gold face paint and bleached like white hair. Uh, very, very short, the shortest like buzz. But and, he wears um, a wig. He wears, he wears a wig. A, he wears a, a white platinum wig. blonde wig. And he has like a gold bodysuit with white on it. I was gonna ask you, the white chest thing on on the suit versus the more recent black chest things in the suit. What do you think that does for his look? It's interesting. Every time I see it, I'm like, huh? Oh yeah, not all gold, not gold and black. Do you get? Do you care? Do you think there's? I think that the original suit is good. I it's think cool. that the one with the swirls all over it. I think that that's a little. I don't know. It's a little too designy. Oh, it's yeah. making it's making gold dust a little bit more complicated than it really should be. Cuz really the greatest of all time should just be able to do his shit. Well, I do like the robe and the wig. 
he doesn't have those anymore. Mm. Yeah. Um, and the way he takes off the robe and like luxuriates in it and people hate him for it. It's great. Um, so these are two very, um, two face paint wrestlers, you know, two very colorful two characters, characters. characters. Yeah. Warrior, um, believes in his character in real life, which is very frightening. Um, I mean, he changed his name to fucking warrior. Yes. So we watch this match again. It's about 12 minutes. It ends bizarrely. It's not a bad match. It's still fun to watch. I'm still confused <laughs> about a couple of spots. The end is confusing. I I was really looking into... um. There's a bunch of little moments that I really like. When Goldust goes to leave, he grabs Marlena's <laughs> hand. I like that Marlena's actually smoking the cigar. I like that the security guard smirking at Goldust flying out of the ring to the barricade and like resting there... I like <laughs> Goldust's interaction with fans in the corner when he's begging off. And pretty oh, much a... every time he's out on the fans, like his he doesn't focus on the fans or yell at them or anything, but his little movements to the fans and around them are so pitch perfect. He's like so in control and in command of his character that he can focus on the warrior in the match and still interact with and respond to fans in these minuscule, like quick movements and they're hilarious. He's like swatting them away, you know, and giving them like slightly silly looks. Or they change how he looks, but he's still focused on the warrior. He is a heat magnet. Oh, like yeah. I, he really is like the running narrative listeners. Whenever we've had to watch this match or really any other Dustin Rhodes match mm-hmm. is that Dustin may actually be the greatest of all time. Looking at the, the, rich narrative that has gone throughout his career like and how he's owned every single character that he's been given and how he's actually gotten more amazing as a wrestler over time he's fucking he's a fucking great wrestler here he his acting here his moves but also his ability to get his ass kicked and still look cool and get the right response from the crowd like he, he's the perfect he's the perfect foil for 1996 Ultimate Warrior. In the same way that Rick Rude was the perfect foil for 1989 yeah, Ultimate Warrior. Yeah. Gold Dust is the perfect foil the for the Warrior episode. right now. Like at at the time of this match, like there was no other person on the roster who could have given Warrior as much credence as gold dust could at this at this time like i couldn't see fucking vader working with warrior i couldn't see who were the other fucking heels at this time i couldn't see double j double j jeff jarrett doing something like that um gold dust also has the bulk and the height he he's not like a big fat guy and he's not like a a gigantic guy but he's big enough to that his offense looks believable but it yeah. has an impact when he gets beat up. I feel like a smaller guy would just be tossed around by the Warrior. And Warrior, I mean, you have Warrior selling moves like the face squeeze. You know what I mean? Like really yeah. some really old school, lame grounding maneuvers from a bad guy just to get heat and make people boom. Sure. It does work really, really well. It's um, it's astounding how well it works. It is, actually. This can we talk about the chair spot a little? Because I I am like really I was like I found myself what I see the one the one when Warrior the gets thrown out of the ring and lands in the chair. And last time we watched this match, I think we were saying that we thought that that was an accident. I still think it was an accident, given the way that he landed on it. I so, think he meant I think he meant to take a bump to the outside, but then he forgot that the fucking chair was there. So here's the thing: I thought it was on accident because Marlena doesn't gloat. Goldust doesn't gloat. It looks like Goldust goes and checks on him. The crowd goes, ooh. And the fans watching don't stand up and they don't flip out like they would if someone like fell through a table. They're like, ooh. Like they're like, yikes. They have this look yeah. on their face like, oh, God. But yeah. how, first of all, how sloppy would that be? And second, <laughs> doesn't the match hinge on Warrior hitting that chair, taking mm. that bump? That I at, don't more than just being tossed out of the ring. The match hinge, hinges on him taking a big bump, or they improved it. 
I think that what was going to happen was that it was going to end up being a double count out regardless. I think that Warrior going into that chair just kind of sped up that part of sped the process. It up? This match is like 14 minutes long. I know, but at the point, I think that they were they were going home at the time. Like okay. the, the match was the match is about to be over with. But I think that that just kind of made it so that all right, we have to go home now rather than in like two or three minutes from now. Like they, we have to, we gotta go now. They still do stuff. The face squeeze comes after. There's like a rest hold after. Shit, I mean, this match is fucked up. It's bizarre. Oh, by the way, King says Warrior went to see the movie Purple Rain. He took an umbrella to make fun of how dumb he is. Purple Rain came out in 1984. <laughs> Sorry, I mostly love King in this. But, so, um,. That happens, One. that comment happens between the chair spot and the end of the match. <laughs> That's how much happens between the end of the match. Um, he, the warrior hulks up, you know, he does these clotheslines, he does a bunch of power moves. The first clothesline is hilarious. It's kind of zoomed in and warrior just goes, Gah! and like Goldust's head falls down. It's pretty funny. Um, I don't know. For a match that is so specific to what it is a mm. king of the ring qualifier with a returning megastar who's kind of in limbo and a uh, intercontinental champion neither yeah, of whom are going to win the tournament yeah so you want them both out you want them both out you want them both out in a way that makes them look good and doesn't not neither of them eats a loss you know you're gonna have them wrestle for 14 minutes you're gonna have them sort of tell larger stories promote a comic book there's so much going on in these 14 minutes or 12 minutes or whatever you're going to lead into warrior and jerry the king lawler feuding um you're gonna you're gonna call out ahmed johnson you're gonna call you're gonna build all this stuff in this mess of a match that is also great and so it's not really a mess but might have a huge mistake in the middle with the chair it's it's uh it's wild how much is in this match you know well, it one still thing... amazes me three or four times, however many times we watched it for this podcast. <laughs> well, well, the one thing that I was taken aback by in watching this match was that whenever uh, Vince is, you know, giving his opening spiel about mm-hmm. the match, about how it's a King of the Ring qualifying match, he says, you know, everyone stay tuned because the King of the Wing. King of the Ring qualifying will continue on the WWE Network. I noticed that like in the third time or fourth time. <laughs> no, wait. No, I noticed that one of the times we watched it. Maybe the first one. Okay. He does say that. Yeah, he does. Did I ever That's ask the first you about time that, that I. No, this is the first time we've ever talked about that. It's crazy. It sounds like it's... he says on the WWE Network. Does he flub? No, he says WWF, right? He doesn't say WWE. He says network. W- though. He says WWF Network. Does he? F- what did he mean, mean to say USA Network? Probably. I had noted that in a previous time we watched this. It's weird. Do you know what this means? This is the <laughs> genesis of of the WWE Network. <laughs> it is. Or this is it, the third it, most important <laughs> moment in the history of of American <laughs> professional wrestling. Yeah. Um, the it, first it, one was WrestleMania three. The second one is Joe Gomez versus Steve Mongo McMichael. And the third and this is, is the third. I love it. that this match is so bizarrely positioned. Like we talked, we did a big thing about how important it was as like the cusp of this is the, the really the separating two eras, really separating the the modern era of wrestling, which I believe begins with the Attitude Era. Yeah, and the pre-modern era of wrestling, because this is not between. This separates the the shitty for what do they call it, Bret Hart's new, years, the, the new, new generation. generation, the new generation, yeah. and then the 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 super famous original WWE run before it on one hand, and then the Attitude Era and everything that comes after it. This is like right on the cusp, and it embodies that change and embodies a lot of the good things from both sides all in this one mix and it's got the network predicted it's got um 
Stone Cold right after. I don't know. It's wild. This is a, a weird match. It's an important match, a very important match. This is a podcast of important matches tonight. We covered two of the most important moments in wrestling history tonight. <laughs> and Stevie Ray versus Mongo McMichael from Nitro, whenever it was. Good pick, Jason. I'm kidding. You Googled. <laughs> uh, what the fuck? Hey, here's the thing. You had to pick a Mongo match. I That's mean, right. And I helped you pick the Gomez match. You, Yeah, I gave you some other ones. You know what we should have picked? Maybe next time we'll pick. Uh, that Kurt Hennig match is probably good. And then you said the best Mongo match is actually him versus Jarrett for membership in the Horsemen or something like that? Yeah, yeah. That one's good. So, um, And the services of Deborah. Oh, okay. For services, yeah. So um, those are probably bunch be- much better matches. I've got to imagine that if anyone can get... And they the Hennig thing is like they're grooming Hennig for, to be in the Horsemen, but then he joins the NWO and beats him up or something like that? Or... Yeah, in the middle of a War Games match. Oh, my gosh. You know, I sometimes want to pick... Uh, no, I sometimes want to pick a World War Three, but I don't want to watch a match for an hour and a half for this <laughs> podcast. No offense to this podcast or you, but mm. I feel like you wouldn't want to have to watch a hour and a half match. Okay, World War Three next time. That's my pick. Who <laughs> um, boy. Want to call it a night? Let's call it a night. Uh, it's called a podcast. It's called a podcast. Thanks three for listening. Three out of three go falls. To, go to tootf.tumblr.com. Check us out if you haven't already. Ooh, we subscribe got on of... iTunes. Oh, yeah, subscribe on iTunes. Let's get those subscribers up. You know, we were talking before about more stuff on the off weeks. I forgot to post on the off week this past week. Um, we will, uh, you know, we got some more mini episodes, I think, coming your way. Some extra content will be fun. And, uh, you know, we're going to... We're going to build this up a little bit more. But, um, you know, send us any questions, any suggestions you got. Uh, if you want to suggest no more Mongo matches, you know, that's a, that's a suggestion we'll uh, take. Take it to heart. Um, we will. Thanks for listening. We'll see you guys in two weeks.